Good evening, everybody. I've got good news and bad news. The good news is the air is working as hard as it can. That's also the bad news. No, it's such an honor to have you guys here tonight. I know it's hot, but it's not going to get worse than this. Yes, right? Such a pleasure to have you. If you don't know, my name is Les Cody, and I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Culture Waco. So awesome to have you guys join us here in the tent. And we've got a special guest with us, not a guest. We've got Pastor Landon Schott, the senior lead pastor and founder of Mercy Culture in Fort Worth here with us tonight. He snuck in. He surprised me. It's good to have my friend here tonight. The vision of Mercy Culture Church is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. And the way that we help disciple people is through a process that we call MC Connect. How many of you enjoyed that corporate encounter that we had tonight? See, we believe at Mercy Culture Church that church is not just about joining together to have great corporate encounters. Mercy Culture wasn't ever started so that we could build a big church. It was never started so that people would come to church, come to church, but we believe that we can have that same encounter with the Holy Spirit, that same encounter with the presence of the Lord at home every single day. If it's in your car, if it's in your office, if it's at the gym, if it's running on the trail, wherever it is, that you can have that encounter with God. And we believe that there is one way to God, and that is through Jesus. But in Jesus, there are many ways to connect with God. And we help you determine how you best connect with the Lord. I believe that uh, the church, in a lot of cases, have done a disservice over the years. And that it's sort of been implied that you've got to connect with God the same way that the pastor or the worship leader connects with the Lord. But I know so many of us connect with God in many different ways. The way we help you discover how you best connect with the Lord is through MC Connect. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you, just text the word connect to 59090. You're going to get some uh, a link sent back to you. You can go on our website, watch a few videos, learn about the values, learn about the culture of Mercy Culture Church, more about our vision, and then learn how you best connect with the Lord. And then at the end of that process is the coolest thing that I think we do, and that is you have a connect appointment. And our connectors are the folks within the serve team that we've identified as having a prophetic gift on their life. All that means is that they can hear the voice of the Lord. And when you have an MC Connect appointment, it is a life-changing experience. And I speak from experience. I came in and thought MC Connect would be just like any other you know, membership appointment. I'd sit down, I'd talk to somebody, they'd say, sign here, you know, sign here. You watch the videos, there you go. I sat down with our connector and immediately within 30 seconds I had the ugly cry, snot dripping on my paperwork. Because God spoke a word through him to me and to my wife. It's a life-changing experience. So I wanna encourage you to do that. Um, if you'd like to have my notes tonight, just text the word notes to 59090 and everything that's in front of me will come to you. Let's start in Luke chapter 15 verse 11. Said, and he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, 
A severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who'd sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. Verse 17 said, but when he came to himself, say came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Come to tell you tonight that wisdom expands spiritual territory. We are continuing our Expanding Spiritual Territory series tonight, The Gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the gift of wisdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence that is so evident in this room tonight. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you, God, that none of us came to hear me. We all came to hear you. Lord, I just lay down performance and comparison and the need to impress. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak. Give us spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear what it is that you're saying. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. 2022 at Mercy Culture Church is the year of expanding territory. It's the prophetic word over our house for this year. And that means that if it's the word over this house and you are submitted in this house, it is the word over your house. How many of you have already been seeing expansion of territory in your families? The scripture for this year is 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. It says this, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge and expand my territory that your hand of favor might be upon me, that you would keep me from all harm and evil so that it might not bring me pain. If you haven't been doing so already, I encourage you, pray that scripture over your family every single day. My kids have got it memorized by now. We do it on the way to school every morning. And it's all right, every now and then they roll their eyes, right? How many of you have kids? Sometimes you start to read the scripture and they start rolling their eyes. Somebody back there said, pop, that's my woman right there. But it's okay, they're getting it in their spirit. Begin to pray and prophesy this over your family every day. You expand spiritual territory through the gifts of the Spirit. We've been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit now for several weeks. And tonight, as I mentioned earlier, we're gonna dive in to the gift of wisdom. And when you operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, people connect with God through the gifts that are operating through you. I'm going to go through the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit very briefly and give you some brief definitions. They can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But the gift of wisdom is simply the supernatural application of God's word. The gift of knowledge is the supernatural ability to know and understand the mysteries of heaven and earth. Faith is the ability to believe God for the impossible. Healing, the journey of wholeness of a person's mind, body, or spirit to operate in the way in which God intended. Miracles are supernatural supernatural powers, the manifestation of the impossible. Prophecy, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to edify, warn, announce, or reveal the future. Discerning between the spirits is the ability to know by what spirit a person is motivated, the ability to know what spirit is in operation. 
The gift of tongues is the ability to pray the mysteries of God and strengthen the spirit of a man through a heavenly language. An interpretation of tongues is the supernatural ability to understand and receive revelation from a language that you did not learn. Each week we talk about the five W's of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Who are they for? They're for everyone. What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit for? They are spiritual tools to advance the kingdom or for expanding territory. Where are they from? They're from God. When were these gifts given? They were given on the day of Pentecost after Jesus ascended into heaven. And why are they important? It is the power to expand territory. I want to warn us, every week we give this warning, but a rejection of the gifts of the Spirit is a strategy of the enemy to keep you from expanding spiritual territory. A rejection of the gifts of the Spirit is a strategy of the enemy to prevent the church from expanding spiritual territory. When you feel uncomfortable when people talk about the gifts of the Spirit, it's a good indication that maybe you're dealing with the spirit of religion. Because the same spirit that resisted Jesus when he operated in the gifts of the spirit while he was on the earth is the same spirit that resists the gifts of the spirit today. Let's talk about wisdom, the supernatural application of God's word in all situations. Simply put, wisdom means what does God want? How many know we need wisdom in today's world? And if we've ever been more, if we've never been aware that we needed wisdom, we certainly became aware in the last two and a half years. We know that we were faced, I don't know if you've heard about this, but we were faced with this thing called COVID. Most of us are familiar. And I remember two and a half years ago, first hearing about it, and we were actually, Pastor Lynn and Pastor Heather were at our house. We were at the Cameron Park Zoo right here in Waco. We were going around, and people started whispering and talking, and alerts started popping up on our phone, and everything started shutting down. I remember thinking, oh, this, this is ridiculous. This isn't real. This won't last. And just domino after domino after domino, and everything started to close. And I remember crying out to the Lord and being confused in that time and looking for wisdom on the earth. What happened in that season? What happened is we began to ask experts how to solve a problem. And we started to look to knowledge instead of wisdom. We asked experts how to stop a respiratory virus and wherever you stand on you know, how, if we went too far, if we didn't go far enough, we simply asked experts, how do we start, stop a respiratory virus? And what happened? They told us how to stop a respiratory virus, which is to lock everybody in your home. How many of you know, if you don't see any other human being, you're probably not going to get sick. You're not going to get whatever it is that they caught. But we needed wisdom to teach us that once we left our homes, we might catch the virus. We needed wisdom to help us to understand the cost of the decisions that we were made. And now we are beginning to pay the costs of depending on knowledge without wisdom. Did you know that in 2020 and 2021, there are more people under the age of 65 in the United States of America that died from suicide than from COVID? Why? because we leaned on knowledge without wisdom. You see, wisdom looks at the whole picture, not simply one aspect. 
And the same people that many of us look to for wisdom in 2020 are the same people that tell us that men can give birth. Be careful who you're looking to for wisdom. Don't confuse wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is like having a map, and you know where everything is on that map, but you don't know where you're going. Wisdom is the destination. We've got a lot of people that have a lot of wisdom, but they have a lot of knowledge, but they have no wisdom, and knowledge without wisdom is very dangerous. You see, wisdom is everything. It's for everything. It's not just for the big things. Wisdom is for all things. Wisdom is needed in order for us to best steward than all of the other nine gifts of the Spirit. We need wisdom to know how to steward them well. Wisdom is the access to the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit. It's knowing the right thing to say or do at the right time. Billy Graham put it this way. He said, knowledge is horizontal, but wisdom is vertical. It comes down from above. See, there are a lot of very intelligent, very smart, foolish people. Wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge that you have acquired. But there is no wisdom without God. And if you don't believe me, look at the university. It is the most godless area of our society is our universities. And the universities are producing the most foolish thoughts in the United States today and around the world. I just read an article this week. It sounds like a joke. I'm not making this up. In the state of California, the courts have just decided that bees are fish. I know you don't even know if you should laugh or not. No, it really happened in the state of California. Their court system has decided that bees are now fish. Why? Because there was a law passed to protect fish and birds and mammals, but it did not include insects. And so now the environmentalists want to expand it to include bumblebees. So instead of changing the law, they just decided that now bees are fish. And if men can give birth and men can menstruate, and women can be fathers, then why can't bees be fish, right? What happens when we remove ourselves from the source of knowledge? We are inundated with foolishness. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 8 says that he lavished on us all wisdom and understanding, and he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ. You see, wisdom comes from God. It is the ability and strategy of the Holy Spirit to establish God's will on earth. We are commanded in the scripture to ask God for wisdom every day. I believe this is one of the problems that we face within the church even, is we think that wisdom is something that you just get, right? Wisdom is something you just wake up in the morning and you just have wisdom. No, wisdom is something that the Bible tells us we have to seek for. We have to earnestly ask God to give us. That means that it's probably not just common sense. 
Wisdom is something that must be sought after. For my family, we pray and ask the Lord for wisdom every single day. I pray it over my children. I pray Proverbs chapter two. It says, my child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. We must search and seek for wisdom. We must cry out to God to give us the gift of wisdom. If you want to pray for me, the best way that you can pray for your pastor is ask God to give me wisdom. If you want to pray for Pastor Landon, the best way you can pray is ask God to give him wisdom. If you want to pray for your boss, your family, ask the Lord to give them wisdom and ask God to give it to you as you lead your family as well. The Hebrew for the word wisdom is huachman, and the Greek is sophia. It's just, it means a technical skill, experience, or shrewdness. I'm going to read some scriptures on wisdom. There are so many that we could choose from, but here's just a handful. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Colossians verse Chapter 2, verse 3 says, In him, in Jesus, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, wisdom and wise is used in the scripture nearly 500 times. God places tremendous value on wisdom. It is a theme that runs through the Bible, chapter after chapter, verse after verse. My question to us is, how much value do we place on wisdom? How much time have we spent praying about that business deal? How much time have you spent praying about that new house or that promotion at work or the sickness in your body? How much time have you spent praying asking God for more resources or more money? And how many times have you asked him for wisdom? You see, so many of us value monetary uh, expansion. We value expansion in our careers. We value so many things above wisdom. So you have to ask yourself this question, are you a person that values wisdom? And I hope by the end of this message we'll be able to answer that question. I believe that there are four categories of people. The first is the simple the characteristics of simple people. Simple people often lack both knowledge and wisdom. I said earlier, you can be extremely knowledgeable and a fool. You can be really smart, really bright, really educated, and completely foolish. But a simple person lacks both. That's not a good place to be. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 7 says, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. Say no sense. Anybody ever met a youth that had no sense? Have any of you ever been a youth that had no sense? Some of you are lying to yourself. The simple often think they're the smartest person in the room. The simple have yet to learn from life experiences. You can be simple in one area and wise in others. I, I can prove it to you. Ask me to build something. You can laugh, it's okay. I know it's hot, but your laughter is not gonna change the temperature that much. <laughs> Ask me to build something. Ask me to come up here and build this stage. Folks, 
I'm simple. Very, very simple. There's no possible way. And if I did, I would probably have already crashed to my death at this point by walking on it. So I'm simple in some areas and wise in others. Simple means we just haven't learned yet. And the simple refuse to learn from life. And if you refuse to learn from life, the simple will become foolish. In this society that we live in today, we are bombarded with insanity day in and day out. Every now and then, I'll just get worked up and I'll post something about it. I could post constantly the insanity that is coming from the most educated in our society. It's not coming from somebody, you know, from some far fringe of society. This is coming from the elite, the people in the highest echelons of leadership in our society today are producing the greatest level of foolishness. If you don't know the Bible, you will go from simple to foolish. And the foolish, foolish people live by the power of the flesh. Everybody has bad days, but the foolish have bad lives. Foolish people are unteachable. They refuse to listen. Foolish people require the same meeting over and over and over again. Foolish people want to meet with you about the same thing 17 times. Well, didn't we already talk about this? Haven't we already gone through this? They need another meeting. They need more of your time. They, they need more and more of your time while refusing to receive any of your wisdom. Foolish people can never be corrected. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> I can hear just the, the rumble of laughter. Like, can I laugh at that? It's okay. It's in the Bible. I didn't write it. I didn't make it up. I love that I get to call people stupid from the platform. <laughs> Whoever hates correction is stupid. You will never know the true character of a person until you correct them. If you want to know your character, be corrected. If you want to know if you're submitted, have somebody ask you to do something you don't want to do. My children are just as happy-go-lucky as they could ever be. My kids just love life. They're all smiles. Everything's great until I ask them to do something that they didn't want to do. You ever notice when you ask your kids, do you want to go to the pool? There's no argument. They're the most pleasant, beautiful, fun, chirpy, Holy Spirit-filled. I mean, they're just worshiping God and everything's great. But then when you say it's time to leave the pool, we are legion. <laughs> Why? Because children are foolish. Foolish people are disobedient to God's word. Chil uh, uh, foolish people refuse to obey the word of God. Foolish people have sex before marriage because they don't want to hear what the word of God says. And they refuse to receive wisdom from their leadership. Foolish people refuse to tithe. Foolish people think that God's word is simply advice. When the wise find something in the Bible that offends them, they assume that they are wrong, but when the foolish find something that offends them, they assume that the Bible is wrong. You see, foolish people always follow their heart. Foolish people follow after their emotions. Listen, there's nothing wrong with emotions. 
I love to feel the presence of God. I love to, to feel the emotion that I feel towards my wife and towards close friends and towards my children, but we cannot be led by what we feel, and we cannot be led by our hearts, and if you've been serving the Lord for a long time and you still only move with God when you feel like doing it, I want to challenge you tonight. You see, God is not just something that makes you feel a certain way. God has a voice. And if you have yet to be able to hear his voice, ask the Lord for wisdom. Ask God to help you to tune your ears to the voice of the Lord. Foolish people are attracted to the spirit of offense. They allow their hearts to decide when they're going to be offended. You see, today, most people, when they feel offended, they ask, the only question they ask is, do I feel offended? And that shouldn't be the question that you ask yourself. The question should be, should I feel offended? In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above what? All things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Foolish people don't desire wisdom, so when they receive wisdom, or when they hear wisdom, they cannot receive it. Foolish people need boundaries. How many of you ever read some really interesting warning labels? This week I was, I was at the store and I, I was looking at some different items and on a scooter, it, it really said this, I had to look twice. It says, this product may move if used. Why? Because Mattel knows that foolish people need boundaries. I looked it up online on a bottle of pepper spray. I got to read it. It says, on warning, may irritate eyes. Why? Because that manufacturer pepper spray knows foolish people need boundaries. In your own life, when you're dealing with foolish people, you need to understand the foolish people in your life need boundaries. And if you've removed all boundaries from the foolish, you may be foolish as well. Foolish people think that they're always right. In Proverbs chapter 12, it says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Foolish people are victims that just think life is unfair. The foolish always feel victimized. I have yet to meet a wise person that believes that they're a victim. Wise people are grateful, wise people are thankful, and foolish people are full of excuses. You ever sit down and talk to someone who is foolish and you present them with all of the things that are going wrong in their life and you try to lead them and help them to readjust and they're gonna give you a litany of excuses as to why their life has turned out the way it is. Foolish people are filled with ingratitude. It is one of the most ugly traits of the human being, the trait of ingratitude. And foolish people live a life that is ungrateful. Foolish people are frantic. They are always in crisis. We see this on an individual basis and we see it in society as a whole. We live in a foolish society that rushes from one catastrophe, one crisis to the next. Foolish people are irresponsible and they look to responsible people to dump all of their problems on. And foolish people make everybody else pay for their bad choices. They always follow the mob. Have you ever jumped on the bandwagon that everybody else was on only to realize in a couple of weeks that you and everybody else was wrong? 
Has that ever happened to you before? You ever made a big sweeping post on Instagram and you feel like a justice warrior and, woo, I got this. I'm standing up for righteousness, right? And everybody's running in one direction and then a few weeks later you're like, oh, and you just quietly delete that post. <laughs> just pretend like nobody ever saw it. Why? Because foolish people follow after the mob. If everybody's running in the same direction, you would be wise to stop and ask the Holy Spirit which direction you should go. You see, wisdom seems like foolishness to foolish people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, it says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. In other words, even if God produced, tried to produce foolishness, it would be wiser than us. And even if God tried to produce weakness, it would be stronger than we are. Foolish people always begin to stray towards evil. Foolish people never simply stay where they are. They either move to wisdom or they move to evil. Evil people live under the power of demonic spirits. You see, the evil are tormented by demonic spirits, and when they are tormented, they torment others. They are bound in fear, and they cause fear in other people. The foolish and the evil will take the word fear and disguise it as wisdom. They will say things like, I'm just operating in wisdom by listening to the government and doing everything it tells me to do. I'm just operating in wisdom by not tithing. I'm operating in wisdom by riding home with my girlfriend late at night because I'm saving gas money and then I'm in a position at 2 a.m. that I don't want to be in and uh-oh, I've fallen into sin. We use the word fear and disguise it as wisdom and evil people love pride. They are intentionally dangerous, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The evil are hateful. You see, the foolish hate the wise. Why? Because the clarity of the wise reveal the confusion of the evil and the foolish. And the confused hate those that are clear. You see, that's the reason that when you stand up for very plain and common sense truths, those that are walking in evil foolishness will call you a hater. They will lash out in hate against you. It's happened to me many times. Any of us that have spoken up for truth have experienced that. Early on in the pandemic, I was speaking up very calmly about a few things. And I had people, five or six folks from all over the country, and some, some, one gentleman from overseas that went online, searched us out, watched a video about my daughter who was healed of a heart condition and said, I hope she gets COVID and dies. I hope your daughter with her heart condition dies. Why? Because I was saying simple things like, hey, guys, this might not be wisdom. Hey, maybe shutting down the, enti the entire world's economy and locking everyone in their homes, that might be foolish, and this might not be the best solution for us. And why? Because clarity, the confused hate the clear. Clarity reveals confusion. And the spirit of the age thrives in confusion. And that spirit calls wisdom hate. Evil people hate God. 
they hate what is good. They hate righteousness, so they hate what is right. They call good evil and evil good. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call good evil and who call evil good. Evil people hate what God loves and they love what God hates because the evil have a debased mind. We read about this in Romans chapter 1. Beginning in verse 21, it says, Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. That means that they went from fools to evil. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. And even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And in the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. Say depraved mind so that they do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice, evil. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent new ways of doing evil. We are living in this scripture today. It seems like every week we have new ways that are invented for doing evil. Who would have thought two years ago that we would have to be fighting for our children not to be subjected to drag queen story hour? Who would have thought just a handful of years ago we would be fighting for our public schools in, in places like Texas to not, not, uh, in, in, not inject into our children sexual depravity like we're seeing today. Why? Because foolish and evil people are inventing new ways to do evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of others who practice them. We are living today in a society that approve of evil behaviors. Not just approve of some sins or shortcomings in people's lives, but approve of aggressive evil. An evil that is being perpetrated against our children. Evil that is being perpetrated in every sphere of society. And we have a people that approve of it. You see, people say that they love you, but they hate God. They cannot love you and hate God. I'm going to say that again. People cannot love you that hate God. Silence in the face of destruction is not love. You see, we read in Corinthians 
what love is, and love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. There's a list of things that love is, and I read that scripture every morning with my children, and we recite it every single day on the, word, on the way to school, and I have never in all of the hundreds of times I've read that scripture read that love is silent. You see, love is never silent in the face of destruction, but we have confused wisdom with being nice. See, we have told people that niceness is wise and kind, and it's not the same thing. I experienced this the other day with my child. Anybody met Georgia yet? See, you, you know they've met her because everybody started laughing. So little Gigi is three years old, and she's a whole mood, y'all. She's a firecracker. She will tell you about yourself. Just ask her. And we were just in the house, and I asked her to go do something. I remember what it was. Hey, go clean up your room. And she said, I don't want to. And I said, I don't care. Go do what I told you to do. And she stomped her little foot. She goes, you're not nice. And I don't like you anymore. And as she learned from Porter, she said, you're not invited to my birthday party. And I said, I don't care. You don't care? She goes, you don't care if I don't like you? I said, no, I really don't. I love you. Go clean your room and do what I said. But we've got grown folks running around today, and anytime somebody stomps their foot and says, you're not nice, everything changes. Is it nice to tell a 13-year-old that comes crying to you and tells you that they want to change their gender and that they've struggled with it their entire life and they want immediate gratification? Is that nice? Maybe in that moment it might be nice, but sometimes being nice is the most cruel and destructive thing you can do to a person. You see, but in our confusion between niceness and kindness and wisdom and foolishness, we have aligned ourselves with political parties because we want to be nice. And we think that giving people more things and doing what they want and giving them what they're crying out to is the godly thing to do. And we have been confused with the spirit of the age. It is a debased mind. Folks, it's foolishness. I want to warn you about the law of attraction. Foolish people will always find each other. I had a friend, a family friend, who took in a young lady, and they rescued her from a difficult situation. She was in dealing with drugs and dealing with alcohol and been promiscuous and all of this struggle, and they rescued her, and they brought her into her home, and it was less than 24 hours. A car pulls up in front of her house, picks her up, takes her to get drugs, she's got a boyfriend in three days, gets pregnant within a week and a half, why? She was dropped into a brand new city in a totally different area, no, no way of contacting her old friends, why? Because the spirit of foolishness will find each other. Two foolish people will get together and and they will find the worst in each other. They will develop those evil characteristics in each other. Just like the Bible tells us that iron sharpeneth iron. When two wise people get together, what happens? Greater wisdom is flourished and developed between them. And when two foolish people, what happens? Is foolishness compounded. 
It just grows and grows and grows. Two evil people make an unholy alliance. You see, they don't even have to know each other, but their demons do. The foolish entertain the words of witchcraft. They listen to the offenses of others. They listen to manipulation and witchcraft and lies. If you don't know what category you fall into tonight, if you are wise or foolish or simple or evil, I've got a very simple question for you. Who is drawn to you? If you're a person that finds yourself consistently being hurt by people in your life over and over and over again, if you're meeting with your therapist every week and somebody else has hurt you and somebody else has, has betrayed you and somebody else has stabbed you in the back and somebody else has stolen from you, you might be attracting foolishness to yourself. The foolishness that you've been entertaining may be attracting other foolishness to you. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, if they were wise, they would understand this. They would discern their latter end. How could one have chased a thousand and two have put 10,000 to flight? You've got to have discernment to know if you are entertaining evil and foolishness. Stop entertaining evil. You see, evil preys on the foolish and the foolish entertain evil. That's why fools always drift toward the evil. And you can entertain evil in many different ways through people that you've allowed into your life, through the media that you consume, through the books that you read, the movies that you watch. And unfortunately, a majority of the people, even within the house of God, who love God, fall into the category of the foolish. You see, loving the Lord doesn't automatic, automatically make you wise. A lot of people that love the Lord are walking with a foolish spirit. But I've got good news for you. No matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, you can obtain wisdom. You see, wise people live by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are full, full of gratitude. They are happy. They are filled with joy. Wise people have the mind of Christ. Wise people are humble. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, it says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Wise people ask the question, what is the cost? You see, everything has a cost. And we've been governed by fools for well over two years who have implemented policy after policy without asking the question, what is the cost? And now we are living with the costs. Wise people are quick to repent they are teachable. In Proverbs chapter 15, it says, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. Verse 22, it says, plans that fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Wise people are constantly looking for others to give them feedback. They are looking for others to teach them. They are looking for others to correct them. Do you want to be teachable tonight? If you want to be teachable, learn to love correction and discipline. 
Proverbs 19 says, if you correct the wise, they will be all the wiser. You've got to learn to love being corrected. Learn to love discipline. Read the Bible every day. Read the book of Proverbs every day. If you haven't signed up for uh, our, our reading plan, Mercy Culture has a Bible reading plan, and you can go on our website and get that information and sign up and or search on the Bible app and get the Mercy Culture reading plan. But one of the things that we do every day in our reading plan is we read through the book of Proverbs, just a chapter a day. It takes you five minutes. If you want to learn how to love correction and discipline, read Proverbs. Because if you're anything like me, I come out of it limping just a little bit every morning. See, wise people don't have to be the most intelligent. They don't have to be the most educated, but they are humble and teachable. And here's the key. Wise people fear the Lord. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Fear of the Lord is not being terrified of God. It is being terrified to be out of God's presence. Fear of the Lord is not fearing God like you fear an abusive father. Fear of the Lord is being afraid to disappoint your father. Fear of the Lord is really the desire to please God with everything that is within you. I'm going to give you three quick keys to fear of the Lord. Number one is to acknowledge that God is awesome. In Psalms chapter 33, verse 8, it says, let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. Number two, to acknowledge and know that God is holy. In Psalm 99.5, it says, exalt the Lord our God, bow low before his feet for he is holy. And in 1 Peter verse 14, it says, as obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You see, people that fear the Lord reject unholiness. If you can watch anything and everything on your streaming services and none of it seems to bother you, you may need to lean into the fear of the Lord. If you can sit in at every conversation at work and there's never, there hasn't been a conversation in weeks or months that has bothered your spirit, you may need to lean in to the fear of the Lord and begin to ask, you God, ask the Lord, Lord, do I recognize the holiness of God? And number three, God is right. In Psalms chapter 9, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, being altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them, indeed, your servant is warned and Keeping them is great reward. God is right. God is right. We can acknowledge the rightness of the Lord. We remove ourselves of the burden of trying to figure it out for ourselves. You see, but we're surrounded and we, even within the church culture as a whole, it's been ingrained that we read the Bible and we try to figure out if these scriptures are right for today. 
We read the Bible and we say, well, does this really line up with my values? Does this really line up with my principles? Is this nice? Does this line up with the way that I feel today? Is this in keeping with today's standards? But wise people and people that recognize the holiness and righteousness of God say, I have given up my right to even ask that question. I have given up my right to have an opinion about certain things. What does the Bible say? And so it's why social justice is forever changing today. It's why one week something can be just and the very next week that exact same thing is now hateful. Why? Because justice has become perverted because there is no wisdom to, to discern. First Kings chapter 3, it says God equates wisdom with discernment in administering justice. I'm going to say that again. God equates wisdom with discernment in administering justice. But we have entire well-funded movements today, funded by our governments and by nonprofits worth hundreds of millions of dollars that are pursuing causes of justice with no wisdom. And when we pursue justice without wisdom, we end up pursuing evil. We end up advancing not justice, but the opposite of justice. We end up advancing not righteousness, but evil. You've got to ask yourself, from where do I get my wisdom? You see, so many of us have looked to our educational institutions to get wisdom. How do I know? Because I would venture to say that almost every person in this room knows someone who was walking with the Lord and went to college and went away from him. Why? Because they were not tied to the unmovable, unshakable word of the living God. They hadn't made a decision in their mind and in their spirit that the Bible is right no matter what my professor tells me. That the Bible is right no matter what my education may tell me. My wisdom comes from the word of God and from the Holy Spirit. Just because you love God does not mean that you have the wisdom of God. Just because we worship the Lord, just because we come into church every week, Just because you know all of the newest worship songs does not mean that we walk in the wisdom of God. We can go back to the story that we began with in Luke chapter 15. We have this young man in this parable of Jesus. So Jesus tells these parables. They're simply stories used to explain the mysteries of God. And Jesus is using this story to show religious people God's heart towards the sinner. And we have this young man that grew up in what seems to be a religious home. Grew up with what looks like a wise father. Grew up in a home that knew the things of the Lord, and yet he was still still torn astray by foolishness. And we see all four of the types of people in this story in Luke chapter 15. We see this young man starting out as a young man that is simple. He's just young. He doesn't know. He thinks, dad did it. I can do it, right? He thinks all I need is money to make a life for myself. So he goes to his father. He asks for his money. And 
In verse 12, we see the foolishness of him. He says, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He wants the resources of his dad without the wisdom of his father's experiences. Then in verse 13, we see him transition from simply foolishness to evil. The Bible says that he squandered everything that his father gave to him. He squandered it in reckless, immoral living. It was unrighteous living. Many theologians say that he squandered it on prostitutes and be the equivalent of drugs and alcohol. He squandered his money on unrighteous living. He, he went from foolishness to evil. But then we see in verse 17, the Bible says, but when he came to himself, you see this young man had a moment in the pig pen that he came to himself. He realized the evil and depraved life that he was living. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I will perish with hunger here. This parable teaches us that you can partner with the gift of wisdom at any time. Because the gift of wisdom is just that. It is a gift. Wisdom is not something that you can earn. It is something that is given to us anytime we are ready and humble and teachable and willing enough to stop and ask the Lord for it. You know, most of my life, I thought that wisdom required some level of perfection. I thought that wisdom required that I walk in perfect righteousness. I don't know about you, but growing up in the church, I struggled with this performance mentality. I've got to perform. I've got to perform. And sometimes you'll, not sometimes, every, every time I preach up here on Sunday night, you'll hear me pray, Lord, I don't want performance. Lord, I give you comparison. I give you the need to impress. As we talk about these principles of wisdom, I know for most of us, we're probably feeling some, some discernment within our spirit. We're discerning some areas of foolishness that we may be walking in. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming and it feels like, how can I ever get to that place of wisdom within my marriage or wisdom as I'm raising my children with my friends at my job, with my finances? I feel like I've been mired in foolishness for so long that I don't deserve wisdom. And I want to tell you tonight, the Holy Spirit wants to deliver us from the performance mentality. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will what? He will give it to you. The Bible says he will not rebuke you for asking. Hmm. See, the Bible is not telling us that we have to be perfect. 
The Bible is telling us that even though we may be walking in foolishness in some areas, even though we may have faults in our lives, that we can still ask the Lord for wisdom. Wisdom is not withheld because of your sin. Wisdom is given to us despite of our sin. In a daily encounter this week, I was praying into tonight. What I felt from the Lord was that God wanted to give us a special gift tonight. I knew that this week would be hot. There's nothing like pastoring a church in a tent. You're looking at the weather and you're just going, come on, just one degree cooler, just one degree cooler. It was 104 and then by Wednesday it said it was going to be 105 and then 106 and then 107. Then the forecast said 108, it went back to 107. I said, can I get 106? There's 106, just one more degree. But I knew that this week would be hot and I knew that some of us would be like, you know what? I'm going to catch this one on the podcast. I was praying into this week, and I felt the Lord say that because of your faithfulness in worship, that he was going to give you the gift of wisdom tonight. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4, it says, Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for it was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar there. Solomon went to this place to give God the greatest worship of his life. It says, in one night at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and and God said, ask, and I will give it to you. How many of you would like to have God appear to you and tell you, just ask me, and I'll give it to you? Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? So God went to Solomon. Imagine this. Solomon just came and gave God the greatest sacrificial worship of his life. For some of you, It's taken great sacrifice for you to even step foot in a church again. Some of you, I've met a few of you, and you've been coming week after week, and you've been hurt by church, and it's taken a lot to even build up the strength and the courage to walk into church again. you've walked into this tent and it's a little warm and it's a dirt gravel floor and you're like what is this place and week after week you've walked in and brought your sacrifice of worship to the Lord and just like Solomon you have laid your worship down at the altar and I feel in my spirit tonight that just as God appeared to Solomon he is appearing to us ask and I will give it to you. And Solomon asked the Lord, Lord, help me to have wisdom. Help me discern evil from good. 
We are living in a society. We are swirled around about us. Every which way, every way we turn, there is confusion swirling around us. Everywhere we turn, there is confusion being taught to our children. There is confusion coming through our radios and television. There's confusion on the internet. There's confusion in conversations at work. You're getting emails from HR that you know is full of foolishness. You're, you're getting things from your job that you know, I cannot, I cannot abide by this. This is foolishness. And we are bombarded with it day in and day out. We need the wisdom to discern between good and evil. And God responded to Solomon. He said, since you have asked for this instead of requesting long life or wealth for yourself or even death for your enemies, but you've asked for discernment to administer justice. You've asked for wisdom. Behold, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there's never been nor will ever be another like you. Moreover, I will give you what you did not request both riches and honor, so that during all your days, no man in any kingdom will be your equal. You see, favor always follows wisdom. This prayer is in our benediction every single Sunday. We ask God every week, teach us your ways. What are we asking the Lord for? Wisdom. God, teach us your ways. Lord, don't, not the ways of the world. Lord, not the wisdom of the age, not the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. Lord, let us not be distracted by what's happening on our left or on our right, but God, teach us your ways. And we say so that we may know you and what? Find favor. Favor always follows wisdom. Wisdom. 